Hi, welcome to the Leadership Pathway podcast. I'm Sean Badir, sitting here with Dave and Kristen Miller, the co-founders. Howdy. And Jalen Chacon. Jalen. Yes, hello. Thank you. I'm so excited for this. I know, me too. (laughs) So excited. Jalen is here all the way from Seattle. I am. Seattle, Washington, but you're from Colorado. I am. I came home for this. You're a Colorado native. Yep. I'm not a native. I do live here, but I'm one of the people who moved here and is making the traffic bad. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We don't like you, but it's okay that you're here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. That's good. Okay. Well, this is is session six of a mini series that we're doing of short podcast segments. And this one's about race and gender diversity in ministry, which is going to be good. So, yeah, always good. (laughs) Yes. So, Jalen, I mean... I don't want to tell your story for you, but you you did residency, knew you wanted to be in ministry, yes. went and worked at a church. Did. And it was just all like sunshine and rainbows. Oh, uh, wasn't End of story. it? <laughs> well, it's Rocky great to be vibe. here. <laughs> Click in the show notes below. <laughs> so, Jalen, like, I mean, so as a woman, as a woman of color, tell yes. us a little bit about that experience. You stepped into a church, a largely white church yep. as a resident. And how I, I don't know how old you were when you did this. Tell, tell us a little bit young. about that. Yeah. So I am a biracial Latina, stepped into a predominantly white church context at a very young age of 20. And yes, it was, it was quite the time. Um, the staff was all white and great people wanted me there. Maybe didn't understand what it meant to have me come on staff. They saw a young dynamic leader who had potential and um, looked a little different and that was exciting for the generations that are coming up. Um, they liked that a lot. And so uh, got on staff and, or got into residency. Later was on staff for a short time. And um, very quickly within like the first few months started to really see the reality of being a female and a person of color. Um, and interactions with the staff, interactions with the congregation, and uh, it became, there's definitely a lot of roadblocks with it that wasn't super prepared for, um, maybe outside of the church world, but really experienced it in a different way, stepping into church leadership. So what was, what were some of the first situations, scenarios that you walked into where you're like, oh, this is different? Yes. Man, so many. Um, I, <laughs> I did a lot of different things at this church. I mean, you come on as a resident, the, the goal is to come and learn. Mm-hmm. So you get thrown into lots of things, which ideally, like, wonderful. I'm going to have a good gauge on ministry at large when I, when I leave. Um, one of the early things I did is I stepped into the senior citizen ministry, and predominantly white, older generation did not love being led by a young female of color. Mm-hmm. And so... There were a lot of situations, um, a lot of people not understanding their biases. They didn't want to be led by me for two for like two reasons, female and person of color. Um, so it trickled down into really interesting dynamics. Like she did this wrong. She doesn't do this the way we want her to. Her theology is weird because she cares about these things. She challenges us in this way. They really wanted someone to like come, do what they said and move on. But I'm a young person with an education (laughs) i have opinions they're gonna know them i'm respectful but i I don't come to sit and be silent like i stepped into this to lead and um i have a gift and a call from the lord and so that was a big clash Mm. um i think the the pastoral team that i was with saw those gifts 
didn't entirely understand maybe some prejudice or bias that they were carrying as well. And so it was a lot of um, them feeling threatened by me uh, because people responded to me differently. And so it turned into me being invited to the table to look good, sit there and look female and brown. Um, And then if I had an opinion that went well and was exciting the next time I my opinion wasn't listened to because it wasn't someone else's um so it got messy quickly and a lot of this I didn't realize at the time like I I am a young leader who's there to learn so I'm like I want to be coachable I want to be teachable what am I doing wrong like please tell me how to be Mm. better I don't want to cause harm Mm. when in reality I was up against these systems these dynamics that were out of my control Mm -hmm. and um, it wasn't until I was out of residency that I realized like wow a lot of that truly was not me. I did what I could. Mm. There was a lot of bias and prejudice that I had no control over. Mm-hmm. Um, so I learned a lot. There's a lot of harm inflicted mm. at the same time. So yeah, but you stuck with it. I did. You stayed. How did you? How did you stay in the game? I stayed in the game because I have never seen someone like me in ministry. <laughs> And there are so many young girls like me that I get to be around that I want to see leading. I want them to stick it out. I want their brilliance to be known in the world. I want people to learn from them. And so I really got to the place where I was like, I I don't see people like me. This is really hard. I have to push through because I want them to be able to see like, oh, this is possible. Like if she did that, somehow this is possible. I want to do that too. Um, but also like I had a very clear calling from the Lord at a young age and I did not grow up in a super churchy home. And so it wasn't like something I knew about or something that was like put into me, like, oh, calling this, calling that. Like I knew at a young age, like you're going to be leading people. You're going to be in ministry. And I didn't have this language at the time, but like you are going to be partnering with God to bring justice to the oppressed. Like, at the time, it was taking care of people that were in need, that were poor, which ironically was my my people, my mm. family. Um, and over time, I learned more about what that would look like. But I just, I had to do it because I wanted other people to be able to do it too. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So we we know Gen Z's like the most diverse generation they this are. country has ever seen, probably the world has ever seen. Yes. <laughs> um, I think about this topic a lot. Like my wife and I are of white people that have three black kids, right? So we've walked into this situation and learned a ton. Mm-hmm. And now, like, you know, it's definitely, like, woken up something in me that wants to see the church become more diverse. Yeah. And I, I just, you know, I see young leaders like yourself. Uh, I, it sounds like this is really hard. Yeah. This is really hard. Like, like the, the road to get there is difficult. But how, how would you encourage a church that wants to, that wants to become more diverse? Yeah. Where do they start? You gotta work on. <laughs> you gotta work. <laughs> you gotta work on yourself before you ever bring people of color mm. onto your staff into your residency. You have to pause and and do some work. Assess um, your bias, your prejudice. There's two things that I was talking about. You have to understand your pride, and you have to understand your privilege. Mm. And you have to get to a place where you you're not just willing to extend your privilege to other people, but you deeply desire to extend it to people. Mm. 
So when a person of color comes on your staff, you're going to do whatever it takes to fight for them, not speak for them, not mm-hmm. not fix all their problems, not to be their savior, but you're going to stand there and partner with them. You're going to open spaces for them to talk. And also, like, diversifying for the sake of diversifying causes significant harm. Mm-hmm. You want to bring people of color in that you trust, whose brilliance you see, and who you're ready to allow to lead with authority, not just sit there and look good. Mm-hmm. If you can't do that, you really should not be hiring people of color. Yeah. We could spend like an hour talking about that, probably. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, because I, I believe it's like, you know, for the most part, the conversation's well-intentioned. Mm-hmm. Like, we want to... Yes. And then you get into it, mm-hmm. and it's it's a different conversation, isn't it? Oh, for sure. Yeah, we're definitely getting to the place, too. This might sound a little harsh, but we're getting to the place where well-intentions aren't good enough anymore. Oh, of course. And so... Oh, of course. Um, it's like, yes, this desire is good, and we know that the kingdom of God is at its fullest when it is representing so many different dynamics of people. Like diversity is the center of the kingdom. And so it's good, but also like, do we want to be a church that continues to perpetuate harm? No, we don't. So we got, we got to start this right. Mm. Um, And that starts from the top down. Mm -hmm. So Jalen, I know you had people that you would look to in your residency that were supportive and and helpful and yes. not, not all were yes and, and, and of course nobody's a big bad wall for me uh, to yeah you, of course no, no. but um what would you can you give us like a story or an example like where you see it done well um yes. just to give us something concrete yeah for sure um there was a particular leader uh in my residency experience and this gentleman um was just dynamic because he saw gold in everyone, but not in a cheesy way, not like a fluffy, happy, he loves everyone. He just like, he knew people were there for a reason and he had an intent to find that reason. And so when I was in my residency, he was frequently asking me very specific questions. How are you doing? How are you feeling? Yes, all of that. But also, what was this dynamic like for you? Is there something you need for this to be better next time? Do you feel safe? The number of times he asked me if I felt safe, it probably wasn't until months later that I finally was like, no. But that question, like, do you feel safe? What do you need to feel safe? What do you need to feel like you're contributing to this environment and not just existing here? Like, those are the questions, like, and residents might not answer for a while because they're Mm -hmm. they're gauging you out. Like, they're coming to learn. They're trying to put their best foot forward. They want people to know, like, I'm here because I want to lead well. So a lot of times the honesty takes a little bit, but when you keep asking like, how was this? Do you feel safe? What do you need? They're gonna answer you, they're gonna tell you. But those were the questions that finally I was like, no, I'm not okay, I don't feel safe. I, don't, I can't tell you why yet, but this doesn't feel good. Wow. Well, and you're, you're smart too. You know you wanna walk in to learn. That's yeah. why you're there. That's what a residency is all about. Yes. You don't wanna walk in guns a blazing with oh, your own yeah. agenda. Yes. And yet you probably, that's probably the hardest part of it mm-hmm. is those, that early period of, of feeling that out. For so sure. That's good. For sure. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for talking to us about yes. this. Like, I know this is not your responsibility to educate. Yeah. Thank you on, for saying but, that. Yes. But yes. Thank you for, thank you for being here and doing this. Yes. A, this Love thank it. you for inspiring others, <laughs> yes. young ladies and women of color. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. I appreciate it. Thanks guys.